0: Hello and welcome heroes to the Crit Academy. I am your host Justin.
1: And I'm your host Ryan.
0: This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs.
1: We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure.
0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash CritAcademy.
1: They have over 180,000 different titles for you to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, and MP3 player.
0: Visit audibletrial.com slash critacademy for your free book today.
1: We would like to take a moment to thank our fellowship member, Goblin Stone. Thanks to them, all of Crit Nation has a chance to win a wonderful prize each and every week. Each episode, we will be drawing one lucky subscriber's name, and they're going to win the five-star rated adventure, Banquet of the Damned.
0: Goblin Stone is a community project for D&D fans based out of the UK. They aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every fan a chance to be published. Be sure to head on over to goblinstone.com or you can check out our fellowship link at our website at www.critacademy.com.
1: Today's winner for the Banquet of the Damned is
0: April Golston. Uh, Congratulations, April. You are this week's winner. If you enjoy the module, please send us an email and let us know. Or head on over to Goblinstone to let them know. Thanks for joining us today here at the Crit Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your roles don't matter.
1: Yep, that's right. Your roles are like a necromancer without any corpses.
0: We'd like to take a moment to uh, let you know how you can help support our show and become our heroes.
1: First of all, the easiest way to help us is just... Go onto our social medias, follow us, like us on Facebook, retweet our stuff, share our posts, just get our stuff out there. Right. That's the easiest way that doesn't really come at much of an inconvenience to you. If you'd like to go a little step further, you can become a patron at patreon.com CritAcademy.
0: Get lots of goodies, like yep. watching our live streams, yep, uh, monthly Google Hangouts. And yeah, lots yeah. of good stuff.
1: Yep, there's, there's some cool stuff on there. Uh, You can also visit our website and go to our affiliate links where we have links to different things on Amazon that you can buy at no extra cost. We have all the D&D books. We have DM screens, I believe. Lots of tools, yeah. We have a rotating tool of the week. So you can support our show by just using our links to buy things that you were already going to buy anyway at no extra charge. And finally, you can just give us a, a review on iTunes, You know whether you think we deserve a five-star review or a one-star review. Whatever you think of the show, go on iTunes and let other people know what you think of us.
0: Yes, absolutely. On today's show, we have a question from Gene Flaherty from the, face- the D&D 5e Facebook group uh, in regards to voices. Um, our main topic is story branching. We also have our Unearthed Tips and Tricks, where we deliver new and reusable content. For you to bring to your next adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and we give away stuff. Yeah. That's always fun. Yes, yes. And we already gave away one thing for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because that's how we roll. We're badass motherfuckers.
1: Before all that, though, let's talk about a little bit what's going on in the realm. And last weekend, so it was Saturday, I believe. Yes. We had a little party at Justin's house. Yeah. A board game night, which was almost ruined by no power. Yeah, I got here... Like five thirty, I think. Yeah. And our power shut off at four thirty. Yeah, it shut yeah. off at four thirty. It ended up coming back on. So we we're gonna record or not record, but play out here in the my man room came. with no windows in a garage. Yep. But since there was no power, that wasn't really feasible. feasible. Yep. So instead we were we played in their kitchen. Dining room-ish area.
0: Yeah, I got a small house, so like the dining room and kitchen is like two halves of the same ogre, <laughs> and it's just kind of all together. So it was very uncomfortable. It was
1: fun though. We played a couple games. We played Munchkin, awesome. Cards Against Humanity, and King of Tokyo. Cannot and
0: recommend those games enough. Did you
1: guys play anything else after I left?
0: Um, yes, we played logo something where basically you have to guess the logo as it oh, slowly cool. peeks over another cards. But that's cool. It was actually kind of fun. Um, we really enjoyed it. We had wieners. So that was a lot of fun. You know, what's interesting about that day though. We were out shopping the afternoon uh, before and we got a text from DTE saying, Hey, we just want to let you know that, uh, we're where your power's out. And we're like, oh, uh, what? And that it'll be on around four thirty. We get home. Oh, great. Power's on, no issues. And
1: at 4.30 it goes out. And then out. at
0: 4.30 it goes out. Well, then they send us another text message at 4.30 letting us know that our power should be back on around 4.15. <laughs> we're like, uh, I think you're a little late. Uh, so, yeah, but power ended up did coming on after a I couple mean, hours. I mean, the
1: power was on at 4.15, so it technically they were not wrong. wrong.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, So that definitely made our uh, – uh, day a little worrisome because we were kind of worried. It worked out. Luckily, though. we were cu- we were using the grill, the so grill. it wasn't a big deal. So everyone, everything that w- everyone brought was already done. So yeah. it was a lot of fun. I highly recommend doing some sort of board game occasionally with your friends. And we invited our neighbors, who we don't really haven't really hung out with much. So that was fun experience. They learned that we are horrible people. <laughs> so yeah, As you
1: do when you play cards against humanity. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I um, won. Uh, yeah, you did. I don't remember who won Munchkin. I yeah, think Alicia's uh, sister uh, did. Alicia's
0: sister. Yeah. yeah. We were all talking about something else. And I guess oh, she so under her breath was like, I yeah, uh, I just won you guys. And Alicia's like, nobody's paying attention. I think she just said she won. She's
1: yeah.
0: like, T-. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I wasn't ready. I was going to stop you. She's like, well, I said it like five times and nobody answered me. So I won, bitches. Fair enough.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Who ended up winning King of Tokyo? Do you remember?
0: I think Ian did.
1: I was the first one out in that game.
0: I was right behind you. My,
1: my strategy was not, My strategy was to stay in Tokyo as long as I could. And then I got hit which you were getting
0: your ass kicked I while you're in Tokyo hit for
1: five damage on one turn.
0: That's a lot considering you start with what ten. Ten. Yeah, that's a lot. That's rough. Uh, it was a fun game though. I enjoyed yeah. it. It's very different. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's what we did over the week, and it was a lot of fun. And can't wait to do it again. Try to do it again in another thirty days or so. So that's what's going on with us. <laughs> so moving on to let's talk about blank. Gene Flaherty from the D and D Five E Facebook group asks. Do you guys do voices for your non-player characters? If so, how do you keep track of them? Yes.
1: Yes, and it's not <laughs> as hard to keep track of them as you think. Um,
0: Especially if you give them a unique personality quirk? Right. For the most part,
1: the only ones you need to keep track of, per se, are the reoccurring characters.
0: Yes, or people of importance, right?
1: Yes, which you're already going to have them in your head, so you probably won't forget. But I still do, like, I w- when I, you know... And writing the information about about this in, this character, I write what their voice sounds like. You know, I might like, okay, this guy's got a bit of a southern drawl. Or this guy speaks real slow and drawn out. Or, you know, whatever brief thing about it so that I can remember, okay, yeah, that's what he sounds like.
0: Right. Uh, me, I like to go with physical characteristics. And if I can, try to find a way to mimic that. Like, so if they have an eye patch, I might close one eye. Like that. Um, just as a reminder. Um, or if they're old they're uh, an old hag or something I'll crunch up my arms and I'll lean over my you know my shoulders so that that kind of helps me get into characters you notice real actors actually do that as well right. if you've watched any videos of voice actors behind the scenes, they take on these poses and positions to kind of that give them into the mood of the character mm-hmm. I personally don't have a problem forgetting what characters personalities have. I have been known to change in the middle of it where I'll start with like a Russian accent and somehow, go into a Scottish accent, uh, probably because I suck at both. And so I have been known to do that um, because I get distracted by the 20 other things I'm doing behind the screen. Most of the time I'm okay. It just really messes up when I'm running back and forth between two different characters <laughs> and I'm arguing with myself or I'm arguing with the characters back and forth between the two different characters. But for the most part, um, just trying to take on some physical characteristics or what I did when I first started is I had play- little picture cards. That had little pictures of NPCs on it, so I would hold that card when I was that person. So that really helped. Mm. So,
1: yeah, and as far as you know, like for the most part, a lot of the characters you're going to be voicing are random merchants or random wa- characters you're walking by in the street, and it's right. not that big of a deal if you do remember, right? Because it's just a random character. You know, if they if they don't even have a name, you don't really need to remember the voice,
0: right? For me, um, I try to lock it down to race. Like I talk with a Med- middle Eastern accent if I'm an elf doesn't matter where the elfs from I might do it a little faster a little slower a little higher a little lower depending on if it's somebody of importance but all my elves pretty much listen my friend we have much to discuss you know it's that's my elf that's it it's easy to remember it's an elf he's gonna sound like this it might yeah. change it just a smidge so that's how I remember yeah <laughs> and that's how I avoid mixing them up
1: yeah it's yeah you know it's just like I said, a lot of the characters you're going to be voicing are go- that are reoccurring. You're, they're going to be memorable for some reason, so you probably won't have a hard time remembering right, the voice. Right. And but still, yeah, it doesn't hurt to write a note, uh, jot note down a note yourself. or two, or if you want to, use your phone before you introduce a character to record you saying some things in that character's voice. Oh, that's a and good idea. So that way, if you ever forget, like, okay, what did uh, you know? What did this guy sound like? You can go back and okay, that's what he sounded like. Now I know what to use for this next session.
0: Yeah, and actually, you can even leverage that if you want to do long pre-written stuff. You can record stuff in advance on your phone and then just play it back to the players. So you don't have to worry about that as much. Um, That's something that's really good for like shopkeepers or um, a staple that's there, but having a generic intro. I know Battle Bards has a lot of those type things where there's an intro for this type of eccentric shopkeeper and you just play it when they run into them. It's the same Clinging open the door and them inter- talking to him. So. I hope that satisfies you and answers your question. Well, if anybody can satisfy him, it's us. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, thanks for your question. We appreciate it. Yep. Moving on to our main topic story branching. Yes, we've kind of touched on this a little bit. I thought it desi- needed its own episode. Um, one thing that constantly happens is when the DM is calling for a check. You're using that to determine an action that affects the story in some way. What often happens, in I'm not saying this is right, I personally don't like it, is when, okay, all the players sneak up to the end of a corridor, and there's a locked door, and the rogue picks the lock, and he fails, so they just give him a dozen tries until he gets it. Well, that's really... What's the point of having him roll if you're just going to let him keep rolling until he gets it? Right. Same thing with kicking down a door. Somebody might not get it the first time. Oh, I'm going to try. Oh, I'm going to try. Oh, I'm going to try. Or I'm just going to keep trying over and over. You know, I don't think that should be... If the giant barbarian busts in and can't kick the door down in his first try, then why would the other players even bother? Right. It's likely if the big 8-foot Goliath can't do it, it probably can't be kicked down.
1: Right. At least not by them.
0: Right. And so what happens is you're not creating a branch based on choice. Yeah, You're creating... Their,
1: their consequences aren't having actions.
0: I think you said that <laughs> their wrong.
1: Their actions aren't having consequences, <laughs> I should say.
0: Yeah, and it, there really should be. If the big giant barbarian, or if the little rogue can't pick the lock and then the barbarian busts down the door, that's a result of the consequence. he right. failed to pick the lock, either A, he's incapable, or B, um, it, something went wrong, the lock jammed got broke, something like that, and then the barbarian kicks the door in well, if they both can't do it, then that's an impassable door for now, yeah, unless they can come up with another reason why they'd be able to get around it right so which kind of leads into you know our our topic, you know the success of a check lets the pcs uh, a successful check lets the pcs pass the test and gain some sort of benefit. You know, um, often releasing any tensions that have been drawn to it. In this case, maybe they're trying to escape from uh, a pursuer and can't get through the door. It's going to be a problem. But it's important that that check affects some branching in some way. Okay, if they can't pick the lock, what's next? You as a DM, if you're the DM, you should have... Okay, let's say they can't knock down this door, or they roll really poopy, and they can't pick this lock. What other... Options do they have? Right. You know, you you should kind of have some of that stuff planned out. If you know, when they fail that check, or if they flee and fail the encounter, what are going to be the negative consequences?
1: Yeah. You know. So this should really increase the tension of the situation in some way, because you know now they've they've just encountered an obstacle that they can't get around. Right. So that's going that's going to kind of put your players on edge, and now they're they're trying to figure out what else can we do? What else do we do? This is what we always do. We always either you know either we always you know, sneak in and pick the lock. We don't want to have to bust it down and let everyone know we're here. Or we always bust down the door. How else do we get in?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, regardless of what the the check is a success or fail, there should be other options to push the story forward. Not just keep, well, let's ask for a check again. Oh, let's check again. Let's check again. Because that means... It doesn't really matter what they roll. You're just saying, roll until I let you pass. That's not fun, and there's no consequences for failure. I've had a player pick a lock and roll so poorly that the trap snapped on him, and he lost a finger. That was the failure. It didn't affect him mechanically, but when they went to go reattach it and it got put on backwards, that became a staple of that character. Yeah. Is that he's drawing his bow with his backwards finger, you know? Yeah. So there was a consequence for that action. Did it affect the story? Not really. What happened is they still got through the door, but they just set off the trap. Right. You know? So make sure that um the checks represents the uh the PC's ability to deal with a particular issue and make sure there's a consequence. Maybe something breaks, maybe it's damaged, maybe they're just not good enough to pick that lock.
1: Right. Yeah, and you can always use it you, maybe not even you, you don't even have to use it as you're not good enough. You have to, you can say it looks like someone else has already tried to pick this lock and messed up and damaged, up. damaged the lock. Yeah. Or if they're trying to kick in the door, it, it feels like this door might be reinforced by something. Something like that. And maybe that wasn't part of your plan, but now you can just add some kind of reinforcement behind that door. Or yeah. now all of a sudden someone tried to pick the lock before. You know, you, Those are the kind of things you can just make up on the spot. Right. And it doesn't really negatively affect the story. So a brand, when you do this, though, and you, you create a branch that just kind of runs into a dead end and doesn't actually progress the story at all you can really frustrate and annoy your players sometimes because they feel like they're just but but running into a wall and not not getting anywhere which is actually the case.
0: Yeah, if um, players are unable to overcome the roadblock. There should always be another branch for them to take. Yeah. And your players should know that. Okay, the rogue failed to get through this door, the barbarian failed to get through this door. Yeah, maybe there's, maybe, another maybe door. there's another door. Maybe there is another door somewhere, <laughs> yeah. you know. And and if you haven't planned for that, shame on you. But there's no reason why you can't say, oh, there's a corridor here and there's another way around. Yeah. Uh, maybe you put a trap at the end of it, you know?
1: You know, and you don't, sometimes a. we keep using the example of a door. If they're just breaking into some random house in the middle of the city, don't even... I would, I would recommend not even making the barbarian make a check to kick in the door because it's a random tiny piece of wood. He's not going to have a hard right. time kicking that down. And you... And if he rolls a one, you know, have him trip and fall and, like, smack his head on the stair or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then when he falls, he rolls into the door and knocks it over. And right, right. Right, because there are, some, there are some things that generally don't even require a check. You know, if the rogue is just trying to, like, slip a knot that, you know, he's done a million times, he probably doesn't need to make the check to try to do it. You, maybe you make him make the check just for appearance's sake. But really, in your head, he's already succeeded. Right. same with it same goes with a barbarian trying to break down a flimsy little screen door
0: right and you and you know and that kind of gets back to there that kind of is one of the big things about it not everything requires a check that's why it's important that when you do call for a check that there is a really strong um branch point because of it right you know you mentioned the kicking down the measly little house door yeah probably not going to require a check slipping out of a knot, not going to be require a check crossing a chasm on a tightrope going to require a check check. and you need to let them know through your vivid descriptions, what is the danger of failure? Are you just going to let them plummet without a save or are, I mean, that's pretty harsh. I wouldn't do that, but if they roll pretty poopy, they get a saving throw to catch the rope or something. Right. But that's a real dangerous situation. You know, we can think about all the th- monsters that they fight all the time, but to be th- outdone by a chasm <laughs> crossing a rope is pretty, pretty damning. And they'll think twice about ignoring, you know, safety precautions, tying each other off to with ropes. You know, I've done that. I've lost a character falling off a cliff. You know what? I wish I would have did tie a Tied goddamn off. rope off to somebody else. Specifically, the big giant fighter guy. And what it'll do is having strong branches that impact those decisions yeah. will make them think clearer about things they want to do and how they want to progress you know a golden statue on the other side of the room that's full of trip wires to you know tempt them let them see that danger they can see okay there's a golden statue over there oh, there's a lot of trip wires something's probably dangerous are they just gonna steamroll into it right maybe that works
1: yeah maybe give them you a choice give
0: them a give them a check to see if they're faster than the traps yeah you know make that trap make that Check, count. Okay, well, if he runs right through these, he's going to trigger all the traps. He's trying to outrun them, so I'll give him a check. Either A, he, he's going to outrun them, and I'm going to get to have this awesome, vivid description of fucking darts and scythes slinging or around. Two, and, he's done. Or, or two, he's going to get pretty <laughs> effed up, you to be you know? the
1: dunzo manifesto.
0: <laughs> and that shows that that decision that he made really had an impact. That check was super important. Um, and that's really what we're trying to stress, you know. When you have, uh, the, your check should be a branch in the story and should affect the story in a big way. Yeah. At least that's what I believe.
1: Yeah. So we have a couple main points we want to hit on with this, and the first one is one of the biggest ones, I would say, and it's avoiding dead branches. So what a dead branch is, is exactly what it sounds like. It's a branch that may seem to the players like it's going to go somewhere, but it very quickly ends and there's nothing there.
0: Yeah, especially for the DM uh, from a narrative standpoint.
1: Yeah, it, it happens the most when players run into an unopenable un- door or some kind of problem, that the, uh, an uncrossable chasm, something that they can't overcome with their current group.
0: Yeah, and I think that it is important for the you as the DM to set up situations that fit the group or some sort of resolution can be acquired. If I need a mage to get past something... I should be able to find a mage somewhere to help me or some alternative route. Yeah. Don't make it so, oh, there's a chasm in the way. Oh, you guys don't have fly? Oh, tough shit. Right.
1: I mean, it is sometimes okay to make a consequence of failure that could take the story somewhere. Take that and just allow an automatic success. It's
0: okay sometimes. Like, you can do that. Yeah, and you don't even have to let the players know you did that.
1: Right. You, you know, know, sometimes, yeah, like sometimes they get lucky and the guard just happened to be asleep. Or you know the bandits are drunk and can't aren't in control of their senses to actually do anything right now.
0: Yeah, and th- those are really good examples of uh, you know consequences of failures. You know maybe you wanted them to uh, go a different direction, and instead their role was poor, so it led them in this direction. You can say well okay, there's guards here, but meh. To get them back on track, eh, maybe they're sleeping. Right. Sometimes luck happens, you know. Right. Shit happens. Something like that.
1: Um, yeah, take all those dead branches and not only get them through them quickly, to try to get them back onto the branches you want them to be on, but turn them into scenes that are going to progress the story.
0: Yeah, and I, I don't want this to be confused with some sort of railroading. That's really not the goal of this. The goal is to allow stories to unfold despite the outcome of the die. Right. And sometimes they're hard to deal with. Sometimes they're challenging. And dead branches is one of the heart is one of the most uh, challenging things to deal with. But if you can, you know, leverage luck, like we talked about with the uh, guards falling asleep, to kind of help them get to where they need to go, even though they failed, it just becomes an inconvenience to them. So right. they were supposed to be somewhere in a certain amount of time, and they got lost in this castle. Well, they lost a little bit of time, but luckily the guards were napping on the job, so they were able to get back to where they needed to. They're still late now right um but and maybe maybe somebody trips over the guards when they're sleeping and and now you've got an encounter you didn't plan on yeah there's nothing wrong with that make sure that uh make sure that you do your best to avoid certain uh dead branches but you can also try to turn them into uh, active uh, ideas as well
1: yep so most encounters have two or more branches that will stem from that encounter Either the players who are lucky and or smart will be able to just walk away from an encounter without really using too much, but the players that aren't as smart or just happen to roll poopy and aren't as lucky in the same way can leave that fight in a very worse-for-wear condition with most of their resources expended. They're on the brink of death, you know.
0: Right, you know, uh, a good example of that is, you know, uh, players who take the time to set up an ambush. Mm Mm-hmm. Taking, if your players, you've got this encounter planned that they're going to walk in, they're going to fight these kobolds, and then they're going to expend some resources, whatever, hey, great, you know that's fantastic. If they choose to do a sneak and set up an ambush, and their sneak checks succeed, and they've got this well-planned-out ambush, they now have got the jump on the goblins, dealt with the encounter very swiftly, probably much more so than you planned hey fantastic if they plan the same strategy being sneaky and roll really poopy maybe the goblins get the ambush and it becomes a much harder fight right so that way their stealth check really becomes a branch for the success of the next encounter or the the difficulty of the next encounter it doesn't stop the story uh from moving forward it just changes the challenge of of the story even though the story still unfolds either way
1: So you can take these encounters and turn them into, like, legitimate pass-fail turning points with possible branches for both outcomes, you know. You can build a much more difficult encounter against superior opponents. You know, success leads to branch C, that ultimately leads to their goal. But failure leads to branch B, that they need to get through before they can eventually reach branch C and get to the goal. With both of these way with both of these paths they get there. But a luckier group or a smarter group will get there easier and much sooner.
0: Yeah, and with less resources expended, yeah. like in our example, you know, that's really important that although we have different outcomes of these roles, both still drive the story forward.
1: Yeah. And there can also be a second goal, you know, if achieved in a certain number of rounds or in a certain time or in a certain way, something else positive happens or something else negative doesn't happen you know, if they're trying to sneak through an orc camp and they do so quickly and quietly, well, then they're not going to alert the guards and the whole camp isn't going to swarm down on them.
0: Right. But if, if they, they don't, fail and nope. they do
1: make noise or they are spotted or they're too up. slow and they're, they're, you know, someone just happens to stumble across them, then now the camp's going to wake up and they're going to have a large, a much larger number of things that they're trying to deal with.
0: And it's going to make the, the encounter that much more challenging. Right. And really both... Both the check, regardless of success or fail, still involves them in combat in this scenario. Right. But it just depends on how difficult it becomes.
1: Right. Now, you can take players, not only the die rolls, but the decisions that players make and make branches off of those as well.
0: Yes. We've discussed this uh, in brief detail in a couple other episodes.
1: Yeah. Really, most of the story points you're creating are going to come from things that your players do. Yes, not it, the not success or failure, but the things they say, the people they, you know,
0: normal interactions. Yeah, cause the, branching
1: exactly. Um, you not know, everything has to be combat related, and or some of role it's related.
0: some of it's simple. You know, which door do they go through? Do the do they choose to talk to? You know, this and en- this NPC versus that one. You know, maybe they decide demand to speak to a noble. You know, that's a decision point because while you may not have planned for it. It now becomes a plot unless you're going to railroad them, saying, "Well, you can't do that," which does happen. Yeah, you know, and, but you don't, you don't want to be that guy.
1: Well, and there are ways to kind of hide, do something like that without hide. without just saying apparently. No. Ra- be like, "Oh, well, the noble's out of town." That it's convenient. Yeah, and if they if they say, "Well, then we want to meet with." someone in his stead then allow him to meet with them and the guy just doesn't care doesn't give a shit yeah he's like okay yeah whatever say what you want leave a note
0: (laughs) (laughs) if you're of any importance we'll get back to you immediately exactly (laughs) you know you know often a a DM who prefers uh, to have completely flushed out stories and encounters will often try to nullify a player's choices uh, and encourage them to return to their script
1: yeah and what we always talk about and we always say is you want to be able to think quick on your feet you want to be able to improvise and that's the kind of DM that if, if you are that kind of DM, you're going to create those more memorable and more lasting memories. That was a that was repetitive. terrible way. You're going to create those it. more memorable and exciting uh, encounters and adventures for your players, and you're going to have more fun and memorable sessions. Well,
0: yeah, because, you know, when players' decisions change the outcome and direction of the story, they feel like they're, they a, feel a, part like the they're a part of it. Yeah. And Nobody I mean I love roller coasters but I don't play D&D to sit on a roller coaster and be taken mm-hmm. for a ride. I want to interact with it. I want to I want to know that if I choose not to rescue that village that's being raided and burned, it's going it's to, it's to going be to raided burn. and burned. <laughs> it's going that's what's going to happen and that's the way it should be. My yeah. decision should directly impact the game.
1: Yeah, your players are going to want to have freedom and influence on the game. And because that's really what this game is all about.
0: Right. And as players, you want to make sure that you try to make these types of decisions, you know, try to think outside of the normal rails that you're riding on. You know, okay, he's telling me we got a quest to go uh, to this cave and defeat this troll. Well, instead of just going there, is there anybody I can talk in town to learn about how to kill a troll? Yeah. You know, going prepared as a player, you know, making that decision. Now, instead of just fighting this troll that is on rails, you've gathered a backlog of information. Right.
1: And maybe, you know, maybe them deciding to go out and seek out how to kill this troll. They hear some rumors about some mythical troll slaying weapon that is in some long lost cave. But they find someone who knows some information about that. So they go on this whole, whole other side quest of trying to find this magic weapon. That then, you know, maybe you maybe you're tr- you've been trying to give them, you know, introduce a sentient weapon or right. a specific magical artifact into the campaign. You can use this as an opportunity to do that, all while they're still trying to complete that main objective of killing, killing that the troll.
0: troll, right? And that makes them, that makes the world, um, God, I want to word that that sh- that to them shows them that their decisions make it have an impact in the story. Uh, whether for better or for worse right as the dm make sure you give them the options when you ask for a check don't just come come back and ask for a check over over and over strong decision branches give the players a sense of freedom and influence over their events when a decision branch lies between a uh, action and inaction you can easily heighten the stakes by making both options seem appealing in different ways yeah for instance a dungeon corridor to the left may smell of rotting flesh and necrotic magic, while the corridor to the right may have an echo of an enchanting and alluring harpy song. Yeah. So both directions sound interesting as shit. (laughs) Which way do the players go? Right. Now, if you really want it as a DM, you can make this just a big circle, but why? Maybe they lose out on something that way. Maybe next time they, they finish off the, the, uh, they walk down the hall and find the necrotic zombies with the magic necromancer and defeat him. And then they come back and the heartbeat song is no longer there. You know, then that means they had, they're always going to wonder what the hell was down there. Right. And and don't tell them. Yeah. Don't, the yeah. Save it for later too. Yeah. You know, and, and that means that that now their decision is, well, we chose to go this way, man, I wonder what the hell would have happened if I would have went the other way. Right. And you don't have to tell them what would have happened. They lost out on that opportunity. Make their choices mean something. Strong branches is the way to do that. Yes. Just remember when building your stories, allow for branching. Try to do your best to avoid railroading your players because really the most fun of the game is going to come from the decisions that they make and the impact and consequences of those decisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah specifically Absolutely. on skill checks. Make yes. sure that those skill checks mean something. That's
1: such an easy pitfall to fall into. Yes, it is. You know, maybe if they if that cage trap falls on them and they get stuck in it and they fail the check to get out of it, maybe they get taken prisoner. And then you can build a new story off of that.
0: Yeah, got to go rescue the player. Oh, you don't care? Well, guess you're stuck. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. <laughs> maybe Me? he returns maybe he returns as the villain next that time because you guys I didn't got live.
1: left in the cultist camp?
0: I don't remember that. <laughs>
1: Because I was gone for a week.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, you got left behind. I do remember that. <laughs> yeah,
1: we were playing our campaign, and w- our session ended with uh, me being sacrificed and given to them as a prisoner because they were going to break sure me. Sure, it out. wasn't
0: by your. You didn't. No, Crimson punched me in yeah, the face. He knocked you out. Knocked out me the...
1: out. Put me over his shoulder and carried me into the camp. And then pretending to be one of the yeah the cultists. And then I missed the next week. And when I came back the next week, they left without me. <laughs>
0: I do remember they that.
1: They forgot about me. So I had to sneak my way out of there by myself.
0: But that created a whole special encounter just yeah. for you. So a little bit of one on one session there. But that was that was I know you that didn't like fun. that, but it was pretty It funny. was no it was cool.
1: It was it was funny.
0: You're like, you're gonna fucking do what? why made, are you punching me in the face made me hate his character even more <laughs> uh, yeah his character didn't give a fuck
1: well yeah because he was the dragonborn too he was, was like the, fuck you when i hated dragon. Uh, anyway
0: so yeah that's gonna wrap up our main topic for today <laughs> story branching <laughs> thanks to another of our fellowship members Smith. all of crit nation has another wonderful chance to win a prize each and every week each episode we will draw another lucky subscribers name and they will win the best-selling adventure the claws of madness
1: Loresmith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring the realms together with friends, finding incredible places, and meeting some colorful characters along the way. They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those lasting impressions that pushed them to create their very first standalone adventure, The Claws of Madness. This best-selling adventure is one you're not going to want to miss. This week's Loresmith winner is...
0: M. Hanley04 Congratulations, M. Hanley04. You are this week's winner of Smith's Claws of Madness. I hope you enjoy it. Yes, please send us an email. Uh, Let us us know know what what you you thought.
1: Let's get into the best part, the Unearthed Tips and Tricks.
0: In our Unearthed Tips and Tricks, we bring you creative content for you to bring with you on your next adventure. Yeah, we do. Our first Unearthed tips and Tricks is our character concept: the weapon, weapon lover. lover. I love this. Um, I had a player play this.
1: This is very much Gollum.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah. Said, yeah. Um, so basically, he has an he or she has an absolute obsession to their weapon, like to the point that they whisper things to it and talk to it. And you know, for instance, one of the players I had loved his mall. and as soon as he was getting ready to knock down a door with, it, he's like, "All right, baby." We've got this, honey. You can do this. I know you can. I've seen you crush much more sturdy things than this. You've got this, baby. You ready? Oh, yeah, you're ready. And then he's like, I attack the damn door, you know? And so he was always talking to his weapon, and it was so funny because he'd come up with just like the stupidest lines. Right. You know, I think we got one in here that says, um, oh, yeah, I know you want to slice his throat. Yeah, you do. Oh, that's nice. Or you could change the intonation to... I know you want to slice his throat yes you do yes you do Uh, like a dog (laughs) like a dog so you can have a lot of fun fun with that and it'll really portray your character as crazy right even if they're maybe not maybe they just really love their weapon you know we all know that guy with the car who calls her big red (laughs) yeah he
1: like someone bumps and he's like oh I'm sorry baby
0: So, I think this is a really fun opportunity, uh, especially depending on the type of weapon you have. I can only imagine how funny it would be if a wizard is constantly stroking his shaft. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) So, so keep in mind that, you know, it's a fun, and it can get kind of corny sometimes, but uh, it's much more juicy if they're... weapon is not sentient.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> so that is our character concept of the podcast, the weapon lover. Our monster <laughs> variant
1: of the podcast is the blazing skeleton. Yes. So the origin, obviously, is a skeleton. <gasps> no. And so as far as features, it has what we call set ablaze. So the skeleton sets himself on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and any creature, very Buddhist monk-esque, <laughs> and any creature that starts its turn within five feet of it Needs to make a constitution save or be burned for 1d4 fire damage. And you can replace the the short bow that they normally have with the firebolt cantrip.
0: Yep. And And then you give them access to the chromatic orb, but only the fire type. We call it the flaming orb. Mm -hmm. Um, Once a day. um, They can
1: cast it without material components for this sake.
0: Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That. Um, The idea is that it's a skeleton... Fire mage. I mean, yeah, a low low level skeleton fire mage, and giving it uh, an aura effect to damage people constantly around it can make a pretty interesting combat. Especially if you forgate for forgo its magic and just have it grapple and hold on to somebody, yeah, <laughs> and drag them around, and they're just being burned alive. Um, definitely fun. Definitely toss it into like a volcano or a fire temple esque adventure. Um, they're a lot of fun. Give them even to a necromancer. Who reinforce regular skeletons with magic? Yeah, maybe making me eldritch magic. You know. Yeah. So that is our monster variant, blazing skeleton.
1: Our encounter of the podcast is the medical emergency.
0: So our heroes are tasked with intercepting a caravan that is carrying uh, an opposing kingdom or cities or what have you uh, valuable cargo and confiscating the goods. Uh, doing whatever must be done to uh, obtain their goal. Uh, upon arrival, the heroes find that the wagons are protected. L- we
1: use "protected" loosely.
0: <laughs> yes, they assault this. Which, let's be honest, most players are going to just assault whatever they find. Yeah,
1: if they're told, yeah, this is a bad caravan. You wanna, you wanna kill them.
0: Yeah, and they are gonna notice something very odd when they slice through like three or four of the quote-unquote guards that
1: can't even put up a fight before they
0: even notice what's going on. That's because they are not guards.
1: They're pretty much commoners, maybe farmers, shopkeepers even that are transporting this wagon because it's carrying medicine to get it back to the city that you're, the city you're working for is opposing because of a disease outbreak.
0: Yeah. And so these (laughs) quote-unquote mercenaries Really, they're not. <laughs> they're just. They need to play the part to right. help.
1: They're basically looking like guards. Yeah, so they're pretending. Yeah,
0: yeah. They're playing D and D. They're pretending <laughs> to be guards. So, because maybe, maybe the reason is there isn't. And they couldn't afford to hire somebody to protect it. So right. they thought, well, if we can dress the part, then maybe nobody will attack us. But players, being the murder hobos that they are, just cut through these people who are just trying to help get medicine across to save people. Yeah. How do you think that's going to make your players feel?
1: Yeah, it, it creates <laughs> a, this moral gray area where they're, you know, maybe the, the city, the you know, the government and the army of the city are very, very bad people, but that doesn't mean the people are. Right. And so now they're in this weird situation where they're trying to hurt these bad people, but the only way to hurt the bad people is by hurting good
0: people. Yeah, and, maybe, and now maybe your players will take the smart route. Maybe they're just trying to negotiate. Yeah. You know, maybe they won't. <laughs> we don't know. It's more likely knowing most players that they're they just, just going to charge them. in and kill everything. But it's going to be really weird when the one guy charges in and cuts like four of them down. Yeah. And, and and make sure it's described that way too that when he says I attack one, you know, describe it as him cutting down two or three of them in an instant. And then see if they see if they wait. See if they it slows them down a little bit. Do, do they stop and think, "Well, that was kind of easy." You know? How do they react? And maybe the other people try to fight them anyway to put on a big, tough uh, attitude, but really don't have the technique or skills to back it up. And you've just slaughtered a, slaughtered a couple doctors and <laughs> and farmers who are just trying to make sure that the town gets what it needs to survive. Yeah. Man, that's harsh. Yeah. (laughs) That really is. Have fun with that one. (laughs) That is our encounter of the podcast, The Medical Emergency.
1: Our magic item of the podcast is the Mirror Force Pendant. Oh,
0: shit. Somebody's playing (laughs) (laughs) Yu-Gi-Oh. This intricate silver pendant has a purple crystal as its centerpiece. When you cast the spell shield and successfully defend against an attack, you you can use your reaction to reflect some of the damage back to the attacker. A purple crystal, the purple crystal absorbs the force of an attack and converts it to a outward spell attack with a range of 30 feet for one D 10 force damage. The spell save for the attack is 13 deck save mm-hmm. the target, uh, a target within five feet has disadvantage on the saving throw. Basically it's just an, uh, an item used to, um,
1: It's a defense item.
0: Yeah, it's very defensive. The damage isn't much, but it's a penalty to attack. I mean, I would still consider this a pretty potent magic item. It basically gives you... It buffs up shield, basically. Right, yeah. It makes your shield that much more of an awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is our magic item of the podcast, the Mere Force Pendant.
1: Our DM tip of the podcast is to not forget about the weather. You know, when they're battling (laughs) near a volcano, it's hot.
0: (laughs) Don't forget that it's hot.
1: Right. You know, maybe they need to make some checks to save from the heat, or, you know, maybe they start taking some damage from the sweat boiling underneath their water.
0: Yeah, this is something I think that uh, is easy to forget and overlook. Mm -hmm. Um, I personally believe that the setting is super important and – The weather is a part of that. And in fact, in our academy trials, I did something just like this where you guys were in a castle on the side of a volcano and you could feel the burn. But instead of doing damage, I think I made you lose uh, exhaustion. You gain exhaustion levels from the heat. I mean, how would you feel if you're wearing full heavy armor in the middle of a volcano? Right. It'd be fucking hot. You know, the same goes for freezing. You know, is that barbarian regretting wearing just a loincloth? (laughs) (laughs) Right, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when it's freezing out.
1: Yeah, and you know, it a uh, a good one is like rain or hail. Mm-hmm. I
0: concealment, right?
1: Well, that as well as it can be a distraction during combat. Mm-hmm. You know, I can I'll tend to if they're raining or if you know if especially if they're like wearing armor and have like a plate helmet on and hails ding 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 dinging <laughs> on their helmet. Then when they're trying to you know make that deck save or avoid that blow or do some
0: maneuvers yeah it's going to be harder they're not
1: going to have as much of an advantage on it
0: yeah maybe even have
1: disadvantage
0: disadvantage. yeah i was getting at (laughs) you know it's it's important you know if they're in heavy fog can an archer from 50 feet away even see his target yeah probably not you know and you want to make sure that uh they're those things all come into play, and they all should come into play, whether you're doing outright damage, you're imposing disadvantage on a check, you're creating distractions with <laughs> heavy hail. I've never used hail. I really I think I might borrow that. I don't know I don't know you. why I've never done hail, like mm-hmm. big golf ball sides one fucking you guys aren't even fighting monsters,' just running through a storm and it's just kick what you what you what, he died? how? <laughs> There was no, you, you didn't run into enemies. No, no. It, he was killed by a bowling ball-sized piece of ice from the sky. <laughs> I've never, uh, I have to, to work on that. But definitely you want to uh, you want to consider all weather phenomenon when engaging your players.
1: Yes. That is our DM tip of the podcast. Don't forget about the weather.
0: Our player tip of the podcast. Don't,
1: don't be a, a dick. dick.
0: And you can avoid dicotube by keep track of who has everything. <laughs> who's carrying? Every- who's yeah. carrying the shit? You know. Yeah. You know, this is something that gets overlooked because I don't think encumbrance is something people focus on. Right. Um. And because of that, it's easy to forget. Well, who's? Uh, I need to use a potion. Well, who has them? Who has it? Right. Oh, well, we just share it amongst the group.
1: But
0: well, who has who it? Has it? <laughs> right. It doesn't help the dying paladin on the ground when the archer that's fifty feet away has the potions.
1: Right. And it's like. When even if you have something like a bag of holding, one person has that bag of holding. Yeah, and not so, everyone's holding th- it. And that person, that player, you need to be responsible and keep track of what's in that bag of holding. Yes, you need to have like a spe- a separate like sheet where you have everything that's in that bag. Right. Um. There are there are templates you can find online that are like big. You know, the D and D fifth edition character sheet has like a little spot for your treasure and stuff. Yeah, but it's there are small. things you can get that are like that, just huge. Yeah. And or you can just use a piece of notebook paper, honestly, if you want yeah. to. Yeah. Uh What I
0: did is I handed out – I made little like magic, the gathering type cards that I handed out to my players for potions because I wanted you. I have it. Okay, you can use it. Here you go. Well, I need it. Well, you're 50 feet away.
1: You don't have one. You don't have one.
0: (laughs) So you're shit out of luck. It's important. It's not just, you know, like potions. That's obviously the most common thing. But who's carrying the big giant uh, treasure chest? Is the goliath carrying it? Is the two halflings carrying it? Who has
1: the money? You know, if the ranger is trying to buy something from a shop, but – the fighter has all the money, and he's on the other side of town. Well, you can't buy that.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: you're going to give him an IOU?
0: Well, it's really funny, too, because I like to mug my players. So it's important to know how that is distributed, because if you guys say you're collectively carrying it as a group, and I mug Billy Bob you over can't here. say, well, he doesn't have it. Right, right, yeah. So it's important to track all that. <laughs> when you're carrying a, a magical idol, like from the example of our last podcast, it's important to know who's carrying that stuff, especially if the party splits for any reason or somebody gets captured. You know, especially when you've got quest related items. Yeah. So that is our player tip of the podcast. Don't,
1: Don't be, be a, a dick. dick.
0: And you can avoid dickitude by keep track know. of who's carrying everything. Yes, please do. That is our show for today. We yes, hope is. we hope you enjoyed it. Um, I know I certainly did. Please join us on our next episode where we hear feedback from you, our heroes. We will be discussing the Unearthed Arcana Feats for Skills. Yes. I'm super stoked about this because I think this is something that's been needed. Yeah. Obviously, if you haven't figured it out now, we love to focus on non-combat stuff a lot of the times. And that's something that's lacking in the feet department, I think. Mm-hmm. So this will be a good way to get our feet wet. <laughs> no. No. <laughs>
1: hate so much about the things that you choose to be. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good pun.
0: <laughs> All right, so that is our show for today.
1: If you, if you have any feedback, any ideas for our honor tips and tricks, topics you'd like us to discuss, or any questions, please send them to us. You can email us at critacademy at gmail.com, or you can find us at Twitter and Facebook at critacademy.
0: We hope you've enjoyed your experience here at the Crit Academy. If you did, you can help others find our show by leaving a hopefully five-star review on iTunes.
1: Also, be sure to give us a like and a share, and be sure to subscribe to our show at CritAcademy.com so we can help you on your future adventures, as well as put your name into the drawing for to win cool prizes every week.
0: You also find links to our fellowship members there as well. Yes, you will. I am your host, Justin.
1: And I'm your host, Ryan. Thanks for listening. Keep, Keep your blades blade sharp and spells prepared, heroes. heroes.